Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Godzilla Pod War Hour. I'm Nathan Bear, and with me, as always, is Mr. Michael Kelly. Mike, how are you? Thank you, uh, Nathan. A pleasure, uh, as always, to to be discussing Godzilla films. And really, <laughs> in a way, it is all led up to this one. Yes. Is it not? Remember back in... What October when we never thought we'd late get September off. early yeah. October of we never we never thought we'd get off of our lazy asses to uh, to do this. I assumed I would be murdering you sometime around the time of Godzilla vs. Gigan. We have uh, two gentlemen uh, in the audience. Uh, first, we have the recurring uh, from. Uh, last heard on Godzilla's Revenge, Mr. Nicholas Gussie. How's it going, Nick? Oh, I'm I'm doing really well, Nathan. Thanks for having me back for uh, this this final Godzilla episode, possibly. Oh, you're you're, you're most welcome. And with us, uh, our new guest, uh, leader of the uh, African Nationalist <laughs> Coalition, <laughs> Mr. Jordan Van Hauser. <laughs> Jordan Van Hooser, and it is wonderful to be here with you, lovely gentlemen, to do this podcast. I'm very excited to talk about it. Yeah, good, yeah. good. Yes. Good. Well, we're we're excited to talk about. It. We have we have to talk about it. Not yes. only because of the structure of the show, but just like I feel as though I have to talk about this movie. We all have to process what has happened. Yes. Here. I, I feel the only way for us really to understand is just to, to share with each other. It's like it's like most things in life. You know, if you keep it bottled up, it gets worse. <laughs> These things need to be let out. Yes. Like a fart. Yes. <laughs> or a very emotional breakup. We oh. need to talk about the pain. Yeah. And sometimes the joy that is Godzilla 2014. It's a natural bodily process. Um, <laughs> so, you know, uh, some some quick uh, background information before we sort of get into it. Uh, it was directed by Gareth Edwards, whose only previous film uh, was a movie called Monsters. Which, which, I, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, I dug the hell out of it. I thought it was uh, really... You know, what it lacked for in the uh, titular monsters, it more than made up for in character stuff and atmosphere, mm-hmm. which is something, uh, sadly, a lot of movies are really lacking in, and I think it's pretty hard to do, is, is atmosphere, and yeah. monsters had a shitload of it. <laughs> um, Man of Steel. Uh, what? <laughs> what? Steel. I'm well, sorry, look, we're gonna, something it was in look, my throat. This is going to turn <laughs> into a Man of Steel podcast <laughs> like a half an hour from now. We're going to get to Man of Steel uh, later, but... Yeah, Gareth Edwards, uh, I thought he was an excellent, if uh, slightly lazy choice to direct this movie. <laughs> well, this guy made a movie with giant monsters. Godzilla's a giant monster. I, you know, I got an idea. So, like, you know, that that's fairly, yeah. Um, but it was released May 16th, 2014. So, a couple weeks ago at this point, uh, at the time of recording. Um, one of the executive producers was uh, Yatsimitsu uh, Bano. Uh, otherwise known as the insane director of Godzilla versus Hedorah. Yeah, so who we can only assume had something over somebody and bribed his way into this production. I, you know, I don't think it was that. I think he was the only director who was still alive from the old days who uh, was still cognizant enough to to contribute anything. Yeah. I think they I, just brought him along. I'm going to against that point a little later when we get deeper into the movie. <laughs> uh, music by Alexandre Desplat. And, and I just love saying his name. Uh, and I thought that is one of the, uh, in my opinion, one of the, the clear-cut victories of the movie was that the music was at least competent and I thought appropriate. And mm-hmm. and uh, if not memorable, definitely, you know, I, th- I think it was fell in the category of one of the successes. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely helps set the tone of, yeah. like, sheer 
spectacle that they were going for in some scenes. Um, it, it, it was it was a good sound. It was one of those soundtracks you don't find yourself humming to, but you, you mm-hmm. don't find yourself going, this song's out of place. No, it, it, yeah. was, it was very in line with the movie. Yeah. It, it's one of those soundtracks where like you don't notice it very much, and then you realize like how powerful that right, is. That's like, such like a good that, thing. Yeah, like, yeah, that, I don't notice, don't notice the soundtrack it. because it just sounds so right. Right. Because there are like there's some you know, composers like John Williams who like in the movies they do. It's the soundtrack is layered on like gravy. It's delicious gravy. But sometimes you think like without this music, would this movie be the same? Whereas with this, it's like they perfectly complement each other. Right. So by the time you get to War Horse, it's just like, John Williams, please, can we go <laughs> it's, three it's minutes? A, it's a horse. <laughs> yeah. Pump down, John Williams. It's a, horse. It's, it's a horse that's at war here. Let's just not... Horse. Yeah. Um, well, I think he wrote the score for Horses in Love. And, uh, <laughs> just we like, well, we don't know what was going on with War Horse. It was a lot of music. Uh, and of it, boys saying, when I call, you come. Yeah. That's an actual line from the movie. That's... <laughs> um, Actually, the goose from War Horse is going to get his own spin-off movie, and that's what Gareth Edwards <laughs> is going to direct after the Star Wars spin-off. Uh, so we're all very excited about that. Um, the budget was $160 million on this film, and the, so far it, it needs $435 million worldwide to turn a profit. Yeah. Before it starts making its money back, and that's due to like international advertising costs mostly, but mm-hmm. like domestic and of course the budget. So so far it's it's earned about three hundred million dollars. It was number one mm-hmm. the weekend it came out, and it was number two this this last weekend. So it's profitable, and yeah. the sequel has been greenlit. They are making a part two. Mm-hmm. So it is a happening. part two for a number two. I think that's <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's, let's just get ahead whoa, of whoa, whoa. Spoilers. Spoilers. I, had to be said. No. Um, it has Brian Cranston in it. Yes, and who is I think right now most likely at an all-time fame, you know, climax as it were, like mm-hmm. Breaking Bad. I think everyone in America, possibly planet Earth, was watching a version of that. <laughs> I, I except me. I haven't watched. It. That's the show with the meth, right? And and the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I was okay. very I was very disappointed with the amount of meth in Godzilla 2014. I have to say. Yeah. I mean, I th- he's, I think... he's acting like a meth addict at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Although, although I have to say, he was de- him and Godzilla were the best characters in this movie. Yes, I think. <laughs> well, they were the only characters. Yeah, in this true. Movie. <laughs> you, get, you get down to it. Yeah, fair enough. When you get right oh, down oh, to it, we'll get to that. Uh... Ken Watanabe, uh, who who really stole all of our hearts in The Last Samurai, who was Ra's al Ghul in uh, Batman Begins, a fine actor. Unfortunately, I don't think he gets the amount of work he should be getting. Uh, and he is probably my favorite character in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays Serizawa, yes. which is clearly a direct nod to um, the original uh, Godzilla film with Dr. Serizawa, uh, you know, built the oxygen destroyer, which... Ended up uh, killing Godzilla, so... And some tropical fish. And some yeah. tropical fish. Yeah. And, and I think... Uh, Those poor fish bastards. Yeah, I think Watanabe... A lot of people have been complaining about how one notice performance is in this, but I fucking love everything that he's doing in this movie. I think it's, like, ironic, and it's wink. He's, like, winking at the camera, and it's just, like, it's, it's brilliant. Um, Aaron Taylor-Johnson. Uh, Kick-Ass, yes. Kick-Ass. He was in Kick-Ass. He was in... Uh, and I think he's a pretty good actor. Uh, he was in a movie called uh, Nowhere Boy, which was basically mm. like John Lennon Begins. 
Um, And he did some really good stuff in that. And I think maybe he was just... We'll get to the the, the terrible, terrible problems with his character a little bit later on, but... No, I I, I, I would agree. I think he's a strong actor. I just think the character really wasn't written well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Some some problems there. Can I try to explain Aaron Taylor Johnson's character? Mm -hmm. To me, he was like... Someone gave me a Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Yeah. And they were like, here you go. And I'm like, oh my God, it's Ben and Jerry's. I want to open this up. There's going to be freaking like chocolate ganache and like a little fish made out of cherries. Like some, just some crazy thing, like made ice cream. And then I open it up and it's plain vanilla. And you're like, Ben and Jerry's plain vanilla? Like, what is this? <laughs> like, it's so plain. It's like, why? Why is it plain? And that's exactly what his performance was like for me. Yeah, no, but, I mean, the, the thing that came to mind was just giving giving his character the Plinket test. Yeah. <laughs> Words that come to mind. Um, monotonous? <laughs> uh, oh, oh, I actually thought the silence was your answer, and I thought, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's one point, or there may have been, it, it may have got cut out where he says, can you kill it? And I think it's in reference to one of the mutos which is one of Godzilla's opponents in this movie. There's two of them. and um, But I think that line actually got cut out of the film. I think it was just in the trailer. There was Otherwise, s- that would have been the most memorable line that he said. There are yeah. several but scenes by, by that far. were in, in the trailer, like the Hercules jump sequence. That was in the first like full trailer where they give the whole you know speech about, you know, many of you have wives, children, and blah, 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 blah. Go America. And this is your first time jumping. Uh, but that was completely cut out of the film. Yeah. Uh, and that was just trailer number. That was the first full trailer. First, first full trailer. So uh, before that, we had the uh, very misleading uh, trailer with uh, Robert J. Oppenheimer uh, quoting. Uh, he he had been recorded uh, post Manhattan Project about how he felt, uh, and he quoted a Hindu uh, a line from a Hindu text, uh, which was when uh, Shiva, or no, sorry, Vishnu goes into his multi-armed form and says, Behold, I am death, destroyer of worlds. And that's how he felt in relation to the bomb. Uh, <laughs> I don't really think that feeling was translated into the film. I, Absolutely I, not. I, uh, I've heard this, and I agree, I think, as a teaser trailer, the teaser trailer for Godzilla, infinitely more effective than the film yeah. <laughs> Godzilla. However... I I've, I feel I have to point out that in that even in that first teaser trailer, before you even saw Godzilla, you saw a toppled opponent, multi-armed monster that yes. Godzilla had defeated. Yes. At some point, so I don't feel as though it was entirely misleading as to the actual content of the movie. It's like, what could you piece together from that first teaser trailer? You could piece together that Godzilla is in this movie and that he fights another monster and or subdues it or kills it at some point. Oh, yeah. Well, that wasn't that wasn't the issue. It was just the tonality yeah. of the film. And it, it seems like this is both the pro and the con with uh, Mr. Christopher Nolan is that he has definitely influenced how major motion pictures are made, especially those who wish to veer away from the Michael Bay school of action direction. The problem is, is with, is that Christopher Nolan's style is really only good for Christopher Nolan. When other people try and do it, like with Zack Snyder's Man of Steel, Zack Snyder is not being Zack Snyder. 
You know, when you go see a Zack Snyder movie, love him or hate him, you know what you get. With well, 300... I mean, I, I don't know what Zack Snyder. Well, I don't know what a Zack Snyder movie is, and I know we're not talking about Zack yeah. Snyder movie, but uh, you know, but, tangent here. What is a Zack Snyder movie? Because like, you're going to say it's three hundred. That's not a Zack Snyder. But that's a Frank Miller movie. You know, like you could. It's got his composition. It's got his style. Bullshit. Those are all Frank Miller's. <laughs> if you like panels, no. From the if comic you book. if you look, co- yeah. But with his <laughs> other films, with Watchmen as well, similar things are translated. And with his, uh, what's that other film he did? Dawn of the Dead. No, the uh, the really the one oh, Sucker, Sucker Punch. Punch. Sucker Punch, which I never saw. Yeah. The so there are some things that are very him. When you watch Man of Steel, it doesn't feel like him at all for good or bad it just it, it feels like it's just someone directing you know filming what is in front of yeah. the camera it feels like which is mostly green screen yeah yeah so um and with that translation everything now has to be dark and ominous and how people have fun in a film how jokes are played out are not the same and it really creates this very where each film has a varied tonality. So you're watching a movie thinking it's one way, and then there's a sudden shift in tone, and it doesn't, and it feels uncomfortable. Yeah. And not in a good way. It feels like, oh, well, now now he's happy. Now he's sad. Sad more. Okay, now he's happy again. It just, it doesn't have a... Uh, are we talking about Godzilla? Godzilla? Yes. Okay. I, yeah. actually, I actually didn't think Godzilla was dark enough. Of uh, this new Godzilla, I, I, I'm going to completely agree with you. Yeah, I, I really wish we had seen more carnage. Yeah, in the movie. Well, yeah. also the trailer set it up to where it looked very dark, but like in the best way possible. Like it, Godzilla's coming, yes. this unstoppable force that would just going to destroy everything. I, right, and I, we ultimately did not get that. I, no. I mean, but we we saw another monster during the trailer. But what mm-hmm. what they really could have gone for with this movie was just showing like the widespread destruction people dying everywhere, cities burning, and really made it a movie about, you know, how only monsters can defeat monsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that would have been very appropriate, and that would have been, as you said, the right type of dark. This keeps changing, you know, and it's good to have humorous moments, even in serious films. I mean, even Schindler's List, you know, is dark and depressing as that movie is, there are moments where even Spielberg lightens up just a bit so that way you don't completely lose it. I... I mean, you do, at least I, I think from a script standpoint, and they did work on the script, and it was a first-time screenwriter, and I don't have his name, but mm-hmm. uh, Max, I think, is his first name. Von Sydow? No. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he worked with Gareth Edwards on the script for this for like a year, mm-hmm. and um, I think it, it was one of the mandatory things from the studio that Godzilla had to fight another monster. Because that had been one of such a big deal with the 1998 one that it was just Godzilla, and if you make just your know, classic Hollywood mistake, you know, if if this movie sucks, it must be because of one thing and not another. It's like, oh well, everyone hated Godzilla 1998 because he didn't fight another monster. It's like, well, no, people hate that movie because it's garbage. It's poorly directed. I think terrible and the fish, the fish scene. But like, you know. And I don't necessarily hate Godzilla 1998 either, but, like, that's what people think. Yeah. But, like, you can make... It's two of the best Godzilla movies ever made have not had him fighting other monsters. Godzilla 1985 and the original Gojira. It's mm. just him. And I yeah. think we could have had a Godzilla movie where it was just him right. fucking stuff up. Yeah. And, like, you know, you could you can do that well. It has been done well in the past. But maybe, maybe they... Uh, you know, I'd like to think they were thinking this. 
is that, well, then it would be too much of a remake of the original, which has already been done in, ni- or, you know, with 1984, it's almost a remake. It's a yeah. sequel, but it's also a remake, remake because it's just Godzilla. I don't... And it's how they deal with Godzilla. I don't think Hollywood has a problem with remakes. I just think... No. I I think maybe it was Pacific Rim, maybe, more likely, that kind of influenced them to be like, oh, giant monster movie. Uh, Well, okay, maybe that's not fair, because Pacific Rim didn't do too well box office-wise. I don't think well, they were thinking Pacific Rim I, in I, terms I, I, of, I, like, yeah. influence. I mean, I think it's good that Pacific Rim came out. I think it's good that Godzilla 2014 came yeah. out, because I just like the fact that they're making giant monster movies again, well, for well, whatever reason. Well, I just meant, like, there having to be another monster to fight, not necessarily the whole movie in general. Yeah. I, it's like, the production schedules of these movies are so complicated, it takes years to make. So, like, I'm, I think they were working on this at around the same time they were working yeah. on Pacific Rim. Right. I mean, I'm glad he's fighting another monster, but it does make it so you can't do certain things later on creatively that would make it ultimately more satisfying. I know this is extremely vague, but um, we we'll, get, we'll get into the spoiler part later. Um, right. Oh, yeah. But, but by the way, we won't have spoilers uh, for, for, right For away. this first part, and then we'll... We'll have them in the second part. I actually want to get back into a comment Nathan made about shifting away from sort of more of the Michael Bay style of action explosion kind yeah, of thing. Which I'm all for, by but, the but, way. But you see, I, I'm actually going to argue that this movie shifted more towards the Michael Bay style of filmmaking. How so? Okay, because everyone always credits Michael Bay as the director who just makes things explode. Explosion is a plot. But really, one of Michael Bay's greatest sins with the Transformers series, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. is that Michael Bay found a way to take a movie about giant robots fighting each other in a war across the galaxy and made it about Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. I mean, Uh, making anything about Shia LaBeouf is just a mistake. And I mean, the, the same sort of thing happens here. We have a movie about an incredibly powerful force of nature. And in the past, we haven't really had the technology to make Godzilla really have emotion besides destroying things. He's either been a man in a rubber suit or really bad CGI. But we we have a lot of technology. We have the visual tools. We have the audio tools. And Godzilla shows up for maybe about eight minutes of screen time combined in this movie. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not even like the old Godzillas where we, we had reasons to care about the actors and the characters and what they were doing and how it related to Godzilla. It really was this idea of, here are some characters. You should care about them because they are involved with Godzilla. And, yeah, and I really I really think that's a mistake they made, is that they... See, here's the thing. I like the Jaws approach that they took. Like, they took Godzilla and they made him... Like, they hid him most of the movie to build up again, the suspense and the idea that this creature was just so, like godlike basically and the only problem is they didn't do what that type of movie needs to do and have strong characters like mm-hmm. it, like if the characters aren't there then that approach does not work and the characters weren't there so the approach wasn't as powerful as they wanted it to be i mean jaws is in an odd way a family movie because it fits in perfectly with spielberg's repertoire because it's about uh, a family, and then, you know, the Chief Brody kind of makes a different family with Quint and uh, Richard Dreyfus, Matt Hooper. Matt Hooper, you know, and plus you have, you know, this was no boating accident. This was, <laughs> yeah. no, this was no nuclear accident. <laughs> Look, Jaws is a complete masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, and I agree 100% with what you said, Jordan, it, and 
And I'm all for making a Godzilla movie that's like Jaws. I mean, I'm not, but I am. (laughs) If, by some miracle, you have characters and actors that are as good as Roy Scheider, Robert Shaw, and Richard Dreyfuss. And they have some of the best actors alive right now. I mean, also Sally Hawkins, who's uh, part of, you know, Mike Lee's standard players, and then Juliette Binoche. They're they're incredible. They're given nothing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Montana Bay and, and Cranston are basically wasted. Elizabeth Olsen, they could have got Mary-Kate or Ashley to yeah. do the role that she was done because she is a prop, essentially. Yeah, yeah. she was a prop with a pretty face. Uh, they're, they're basically, the women are given absolutely nothing to do in this movie, and that's... Except die. <laughs> very strange. You'd be in peril. Yeah, be in peril. Which is, very is, which is odd because in the Japanese confusing. films, uh, you have, uh, what, uh, uh, Kumi Muzuno? Kumi Muzuno. Like, she is in several of these monster films, and she is definitely not treated like furniture. She is, like, a significant part of the plot, whether she's playing opposite Nick Adams or, you know, or... or from the from the beginning, yeah. women have had fairly significant roles yeah. in the Godzilla films, with the exception of possibly King Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah. But, but, like, yeah, this is, like... Women and, and children, too. Yeah. yeah. Children have huge prominent... Yeah in a lot of Godzilla movies, and we really didn't see many of them either. In um, fact, in the first Godzilla movie, one of like the deep parts of the plot is the fact that there is a woman conflicted with the fact that she is betrothed to a man she respects but does not love, and she loves a man uh, who, who her, her, her father does not like. Right. Yeah. You know, and it, it symbolizes like a change in times, a change in society. What you're describing, yeah. Nate, is a is sort of like a story with characters that you could graft a movie around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the problem is we're always going to come back to this because that is the central problem of the movie. Godzilla has no characters and eight minutes of monsters. Right. And and, and right, Aaron Taylor and, Johnson is not Roy Scheider. Yeah. He just, yeah. I'm sorry. His, he may his character may be named after him mm-hmm. quite blatantly. Yeah. Uh, Ford Brody is yeah. his name, and it's like so clearly Harrison Ford, and then Chief Brody. Um, but like, no, you can't. Yeah. yeah, you can't just name someone Brody. God damn it! <laughs> and and have it be an allusion to Chief Brody, and just yeah. have it be like. Yeah, and, just have him be on autopilot? Fuck you! And, and here's another example. Godzilla vs. Monster X is one of the most convoluted plots in the series. Uh, and there's only ten minutes, as we mentioned in that episode. Of, yeah, Godzilla vs. Monster yeah. Zero has, I think, the most similar uh, monster footage ratio yeah. of to this film. I think it's about the same. The difference is, you care about... The characters. Yeah. As funny and as... Uh, like, one's a toy maker, the other two are astronauts, and oh, it's, Kumi Musuno plays lunacy. an alien. It's lunacy. They're ex... You know. But it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> You're engaged. Yeah. You care. You know? And Nick Adams is, like, into it, as yeah. if he was, you know, it's just like, this is really happening. There's really, you know, aliens are invading Earth. We have to save Godzilla and Rodan, you know, where normally they're trying to kill us. It's just, you know, there's depth to that film. And the fights in that film pay off. You're rewarded for, you know, engaging with that film. I feel as though we cannot discuss this any further without really getting into specifics of the plot. So So maybe we should move into that segment of the program. For anyone... 
who's listening now, we're going to play a little bit of music, perhaps sample a little bit of Alexandre's Desplat's uh, score. And uh, then when we come back, uh, it's going to be 100% spoilers going forward from there. So um, be warned. This is, this is your last chance. Be wary, wary. Turn around. <laughs> okay. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for us to meticulously dissect the plot. Is a spoiler alert? <laughs> um, there was a plot. All right. First, first and foremost, I cannot remember a single line of dialogue from anyone in this film, other than "Let them fight." That's it. That's all. I can't. That's a problem. I remember a Aaron Taylor Johnson's signature silence. That was my favorite quote. That movie. yeah, yeah. In a way, we're like whenever we're not saying anything, we're, it's we're yeah, quoting it, Aaron it's Taylor like Johnson yeah. from this movie. It's like the Tristan chord. The silence is what makes it. <laughs> um, I guess we should talk about what happens in this movie before Aaron Taylor Johnson comes in and ruins it. Um, All, right, All right. So uh, in similar fashion, but better to ninety-eight. Godzilla. We are shown uh, nuclear. We we are shown stock footage, or and I should say, manipulated stock footage of testing in the Pacific in the nineteen fifties. The difference is, is that we are slowly given hints of something that what we some conspiratorial yes. thing because yeah. the and I first of all I like the fact that there were opening credits in this movie because I think a lot of movies don't have opening credits anymore. Mm-hmm. I also like the way the names were put up on the screen and as as something else and then they're like redacted and redacted and crossed out and things are crossed out until it's just 
the name of the person who's in the movie. Right. That was really neat. Also, from a Super Godzilla nerd standpoint, hmm. I, I would like to briefly say that they show the same nuclear bomb test in this that they have in the American recut of Rodan. Yes. Which I have, you know, been a fan of since I was five. So it was nice to see that exact same footage carried over into this film. Mm. Uh, yeah, that was nice. <laughs> but again, very, very specific. Um, but yeah, no, I, I really liked the opening. Yeah. Thought it was really cool. Was and, and it set up the mood. Yeah. It's like, it's like a lot of openings. Like when you meet that special someone and everything seems good. <laughs> then you move in with them. And you realize that they're... And then they have dead babies in yeah. the closet. It, it's just, There's definitely it's, a strong a, honeymoon period in this yeah. movie. Where it's like, for the first 20 minutes, you're like, they've they've done it. Yeah. This is amazing. Promised Land, Hollywood has, you know, come back. It's this, you know, it's going to be like just like the 70s again with good stuff. You know, it, it's going to be, you know, from here on out, it's just going to be good, good, good. And then Kick-Ass comes and saves the day. Yeah. Say ruins it. All right. Well, yeah. okay. So it starts off in 1999. Uh, Brian Cranston, who plays Dr. Brody, and his lovely wife, Julia Binouche, are in uh, in Japan. And uh, they work at a uh, nuclear facility. Mm-hmm. And there's a... Um, there's a very brief scene at home where it's it's revealed that Brian Cranston's been even even before his character gets totally consumed by his work, he's already totally consumed by his work. I mean, that's sort of his through line as mm-hmm. a character because he has forgotten that it's his own birthday. Yeah, he's forgotten that Lil, Lil Aaron Taylor Johnson, who is played by the uh, the guy or the he's played by the kid from the uh, the Life of Timothy Green or whatever the Plant Kid movie. That's yeah. him, uh, and. Um, He's yeah. The, he's made a little happy birthday sign for his father, and Brian Cranston just like never even gets to see it because he just goes out the door. I'm busy, kid. I gotta I'm go busy, make kid. some meth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, this is one of two scenes with Juliette Binoche, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, one of the best actors in the movie. And then she's she's out of there. So they they go to the plant, and uh, there is it. It seems like it's an earthquake. Yes, but it's a little bit more than that like well we are revealed beforehand while this is going on in the philippines ken watanabe and oh yeah his lady forgot about that yeah that is before this isn't it yes so uh they go to a mining facility dr sarazawa uh goes to a mining facility uh where there's been a cave-in a huge cave-in so i i guess he inspects caves, just random cave-ins in the Philippines, because that's what Dr. Sarazawa does. Uh, so they well, go... I, well, in. I think they called him out because they found the skeleton. Oh, okay. Okay. But, yeah, so they go in, and they realize that what's in the cave is this massive skeleton that's bigger than a blue whale, or, like, five blue whales. Yeah. So, and then they realize that not only... Is there the skeleton, but there seems to be a hatched egg of some sort, and that had hatched recently. And all they know is that they get up and there's clearly a trail leading... Into the ocean. Yeah. So... It, it looks as though the eggs are a parasite mm-hmm. off of whatever the skeleton of this thing is. Right. Somehow they can tell that. Mm-hmm. And it is... Yeah, it looks... 
the eggs looked insectoid, mm-hmm. whereas whatever the skeleton is looked like a cold-blooded the animal egg. of some kind. Yeah, some so, some kind of kaiju, possibly kaiju, another Godzilla, kaiju brontosaurus, or some, one of the monsters from <laughs> Ultraman or Ultra Q. <laughs> yeah, ultra queer as folk. That's uh, lesser known version of the Ultraman series. <laughs> what was the monster in the first episode of Ultra Q? Gnomes? Was that the one that was with the Godzilla suit? Yeah, I think Nooms. Nooms. Maybe it was Nooms. Nooms. Anyways, because he was in in a mine. (laughs) Anyways, um, yeah, so then they go over to Japan. Yeah. And uh, and we have this harrowing sequence where there's sort of an earthquake, possibly, Mm -hmm. or maybe it isn't. Uh, and uh, um, they're, they're forced to shut her down mm-hmm. to, to seal off the contamination, and we have the extremely uh, movie-style <laughs> logic where if you can outrun the bad nuclear gas cloud or, like, the bad radioactive gas cloud, mm-hmm. that you will also not get contaminated by the radiation. Which, yeah. like, you know, radiation, is the particles are smaller than the gas cloud. You're probably, you can't, like, it's not a thing you can see and outrun, you know. It's, yeah. <laughs> by, the, by the time the alarm goes off, it's, it's too late. Yeah, really. exactly. But, but, you know, we have to have the classic Titanic, like, we have to run. Right, yeah. right. We need the scene. Yeah, and it works. And, uh, no, no, it's, it's very suspenseful. Yeah, and uh, Cranston and Julia Binoche give, like, 200% to the scene. And, God, I wish they were really throughout the rest of the movie. Even her, just to... Uh, but anyways, she had some Obi Wan Kenobi ghosts yeah. like appearances. You know, <laughs> even like, the oxygen destroyer, right. yeah. you know, or even like the fly too. Like if like when they brought back Jeff Goldblum in like video diary form or whatever, it's something we don't know yet. Anyways, the point is is that um, Brian Cranston has to shut the door with Julia Binoche on the other side, and she um, gets killed, and it's like five minutes into the movie, and then like the nuclear facility collapses and then like they have to evacuate the school children so this whole island basically just becomes one big contaminated zone yeah and we then cut from here to what 10 years later yeah Something. Oh, no, wait, no. Wait, well, 1999, 1999 then so have to no, be it, like 15, 15 years yeah, yeah it just went to current day yeah, yeah. so 2014 2014 it's interesting that, like, you know, it looked like the facility collapsed into the ground immediately after yeah. Julia Binoche died. So, really, we missed a scene with Brian Cranston running out of that facility, with yeah. exploding and collapsing behind. Because as far as we knew, he w- he had died. Yeah, this is this is the first in in a series of opportunities where uh, Gareth Edwards could have shown us something more Michael Bay-esque, but then just sort of cut away for a sort of wider aspect of it and then just, you know, to, to give us more of the, the faraway spectacle of it as, and the, as opposed to the, uh, you know, summer popcorn thrill ride, yeah. Universal Studio ride version of it. I, I, I did really appreciate that, though, because I thought I did there too, would be actually. more Michael Bay-esque scenes and I was pleasantly surprised that that did not happen. Yeah. Um... But uh, unfortunately, we cut to the modern age and to a close-up of Aaron Taylor. <laughs> Actor Aaron Taylor Johnson portraying... A uh, grunt. Yep. Which uh, I think Nick, Nick and I had discussed previously, kind of how this seems to be a mistake. In all the previous films, we never have 
a grunt, you know, and this is nothing against grunts, you know, the men and women who serve armed forces, but as a character, that makes it tough. Because in the past films, it's either a news reporter or, uh, you know, a scientist, you know, or all or a news reporter and a scientist teaming up as in, you know, Godzilla versus. Well, he, he's a very he's a very convenient grunt because he's yeah. a grunt, so he's at the lowest level, but he also has this very specialized bomb diffusing skill. Yeah, which a... does not come in handy later on. Yeah, <laughs> and the thing is, in the past, like if they do have a skill, like even the toy maker in Monster X, his like skill as a toy maker, creating the alarm, whatever that comes into. Uh, what it 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 pays off. There's a payoff with the fact that he is a toy maker. He has this annoying device, and that device, you know, comes in handy. It's like what Chekhov says: that there's a gun in the first act, it well, must go I, off. I, I, in the I first was act. just going to say, I honestly almost liked the fake Chekhov's gun they they put in the movie. He's a bomb. He has this special skill, and then later on, yeah, yeah, I. I mean, I, but the, the, the execution was a little weak. A, but had a, it been useless in the end, I think it actually could have been. There's you know, a, there's like an interesting a, twist. Yes, uh, there's an overall theory that that people have been sort of coming up with, and some people follow it, some people don't, uh, as to how to view this movie. And I'll get into that a little bit at the end. But like, um, yeah, he's he's a he gets back from active duty, and he. Um, Meets up with Elizabeth Olsen in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and they're a small kid mm-hmm. uh, who I think was cast to look like uh, Mike Brody from Jaws <laughs> or Sean. I forget which one's the the younger brother. I think I think Mikey is is the is the little brother, and then Sean is the older brother. Surprised he didn't ask for like coffee ice cream at some point. I, that would I have, have like brought the two together. I have <laughs> the names of the characters memorized of, from Jaws because I love that movie. But anyways, it's good characters. But anyways, um, I don't know what Elizabeth Olsen's name is or the kid's name. He's just a stupid kid who looks like the. Frankly, their names, their names are, are not important. Yeah, they, they, they do not nothing do during the they entire court of, of the movie except to be in danger. So Aaron Taylor Johnson and Elizabeth Olsen almost fuck. And then, um, <laughs> oh, can, that, can, that can, hot PG-13 action. Uh, right, right, right. They start they start dry humping. <laughs> can can I please just say, I'm, I'm looking at the IMDb synopsis to kind of help me uh, keep up and stay along with the plot. And it says that... Uh, there's a sweet welcome home scene, and Ford prepares for some long overdue mommy daddy time uh, with Elizabeth <laughs> Olsen. Yeah, I, I feel like yeah. that is a good description of it. I, yeah. I, it, I just, it is not sex. It no, is just, it's, it's it's mommy daddy time. It's it's heavy petting. It's like they're getting ready to go off to a ice cream social or a, you know middle school dance. That's fine. Yeah, it's uh, for twenty five year olds. Yeah, that's uh, totally fine. Whatever they he um, they almost fuck and then he gets a phone call and it's like your crazy dad has been found mm-hmm. he's arrested he's been arrested for yeah. going into a quarantine zone so in Japan in Japan, Japan. so Aaron Taylor Johnson jumps on the plane globe trotting sequence he is in Japan one of the most memorable scenes in the entire movie he's mm-hmm. waiting at the jail and uh, the, there's a Japanese parents uh, who come to pick up their delinquent. Son, who appears to be a fan of Death Note, <laughs> and um, and they're like yelling and like there's like a bunch of acting going on and they're saying things and they're all impassioned and your stuff and you're like I wish I knew what they were talking about. Yeah. This looks good, you know. I, I, want, I want to follow these characters. Now. And then, but then, and then they Aaron like, Taylor Johnson's like, my dad's a cock block. I hate this. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so 
Aaron Taylor Johnson meets up with Brian Cranston. The movie immediately gets interesting again. Brian Cranston has gone into full-on conspiracy theory nut mode, and he has adorned the walls as such. He's made sort of a Godzilla sonar beautiful mind setup with <laughs> the twine and the you know push thumbnails and all this stuff. And it's uh, he basically has figured out that there's something out in the ocean and something called back to it because he's been check he's been somehow hacking into these buoys these sonar military buoys no they're like buoys for the I, I think buoys just for the ships in general the shipping in that area and he somehow convinced a local fisherman to like put a device on one of the buoys <laughs> so i guess i mean you know it is brian cranston if brian cranston asked me to do that i think i, I do would it. just yeah i do just have to do it be like, hey, it's crazy. I would, I would do it for him and then rub his feet and let him, like, I would take. Anyway, yeah, the, 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 this is this is getting uh, a little personal. No, no, let's. It's uh, okay. I there, mean, there's nothing wrong with getting a little crazy in you. That's. I would like to say that. This is a coming home of sorts for Brian Cranston because when he first moved to Hollywood and he was starving, uh, he did take some voice work on a job that was perchance a little less prestigious. Then um, Breaking Bad or even Malcolm in the Middle. I am, of course, referring to his uh, role as the Mirror Master on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Uh, really? He did, he, he actually, yeah, he actually did a couple of voices, a couple of different bad guys on that show. So the Kaiju Cranston connection recombines. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you can't always outrun the past, Brad. Yeah. Look it up. On YouTube, it is amazing. <laughs> um, and also a shocking revelation that they got different people to do the non-core cast member uh, voices on uh, Power Rangers. Because they always all sounded the same to me. Yeah. Um, it was always like, Yeah, Rangers, I'm the, you know, hoe master of gardening equipment. Go! You know, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you! Um, so anyways, yeah. the um, They... they for some reason, they they go into this abandoned city. Like Brian Cranston has, like he's like, I never even got to. I don't even have a picture of your mother. I think is what it is. So it's like, oh, you know, some character stuff, and you actually care about Brian yeah. Cranston. So you're like, okay, I will follow them there. Yeah. Well, he also had to get some readings yeah. that he had. Oh yeah, the the hard ago. discs, not yeah. floppy discs, but the uh, <laughs> he had some yeah. discs from 1999, <laughs> and, uh, and I guess it's the, they're the only record. Of, yeah. uh, of that know, incident. That of that happened. incident. So it, it makes it very... So I guess he pulled those discs. Like right as he right was running before. out. He was yeah. like, so, okay, Julia Vidas dies. He goes up to the lab, gets those like 15 floppy discs, put them in his briefcase, and then he runs out as the place is exploding. Around. I mean... I mean, who in the 90s did not have 15 floppy discs? <laughs> Come on I now. think that was a requirement for like every class I had like an, in, through high school. You know, just yeah. like you have to have, yeah, you have to have a lot of floppy disks because we do a lot of floppy disking here at West Potomac High School. That's yeah. uh, so. So far, what we're saying is Godzilla has proven that Brian Cranston is the only likable character and that he is very fast. He's yes. very, he's extremely fast. Uh, so fast he is able to get his son and himself into uh, perfectly fitted, uh, you know, uh, radiation proof. Gear, yeah, whatever it's called, hazmat suits. There we yeah. go. And also, not remember to bring this data that was so important. Yeah. Uh, after leaving, he decides to leave it there for well, years. Yeah. yeah. I. It's sort of squiffy. They need a reason to go back in. So yeah, I, yeah. yeah. Fair, fair enough. So at least from a pulp standpoint, it's like, all right, fine. We'll 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 let it happen. 
Um, so they go to the zone via boat, and they enter this, like, Chernobyl-esque uh, city. The only difference is Brian Cranston shows that there's no radiation. Yeah. There is uh, no radiation. Right. They, they see animals walking around. Yeah, they see animals walking around, and they're not, you know, I mean, it, there are animals in Chernobyl, but they are highly, you know, mutated, radioactive. There's, like, definite issues with them and their reproductive cycles. However, in this, it's like they're perfectly fine. Although, there is a absolutely, what well, in my heart of hearts, I have to believe is a Godzilla versus Megalon callback where they have a big beetle crawl over a plastic... Uh, yes. Tank. <laughs> I was just like, it's got to be a Megalon reference. Yeah. Um, that or they had a tank and a beetle and they said, hey, you know, it'd be fun. <laughs> Let's have it. Yeah, yeah, do it. Bada bing, bada boom movie scene. <laughs> um, they get arrested. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Brian Cranston is taken in for questioning at the same facility that they were in in the beginning of the film, except it's been rebuilt. Yeah, around this sort of. Clog? I'm going to say it's like an cocoon. egg or cocoon. Yeah, cocoon. I mm. think would be a good name for it. And um, and they they had stopped by the house to get the discs. Yeah, they were able to yeah. find. They got the, the discs, discs, and um, then they get arrested. Oh, Brian Cranston gets to see the sign that Aaron Taylor Johnson made. And, and taped yeah. up with, uh, like, you know, scotch tape that yeah. has been hanging in their house for 15 years. It so was, that's some fucking powerful scotch tape. It was affected by the radiation. It's a super tape. Yeah, yeah. Now it's it's a super tape. That's what Godzilla's going to fight in part two. <laughs> um, and anyways, so yeah, that sign should have blown down. Uh, anyways, uh, so they get arrested. Cranston is being questioned. And uh, all of a sudden... The, the cocoon thing starts freaking out, and um, then Brian Cranston says everything that made the trailers cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, coolest speech in the, the movie. The coolest yeah. speech of the movie. It's going to set us back to the Stone Age, you know. <laughs> all that stuff. That's when he says all that shit. And then Sid the Sloth and all the Ice Age gang is going to come. It's going to be yeah. a great mashup. Yeah. The, the sequel sounds awesome. That, that's what he fights in part Ice two. Age, yeah. yeah. I, I'm excited. He's going to fight that squirrel who keeps getting his nuts. <laughs> Scrat is the name of, the, uh, of, that, of that character. Scrat is going to take us back to the Stone Age. I love Scrat. That'd be awesome. But, um, but also, also, can I just say, like, when this, when this cocoon hatches, like, just every uh, fiber of my being was like, this is Godzilla. Like, this is some, like, new thing on Godzilla. And... Then it hatches and it's not Godzilla, and I was like, "Whoa, that was kind of surprising." Like, like this, like this whole, all these scenes were building up to what I thought was the big Godzilla reveal. Yeah, and it was, it was like a new monster, and I was like, "Oh, that's kind of cool. I didn't expect that." Yeah, and uh, again, it's part of this movie does very well the suspense building. Like, we don't see too much of Godzilla, just enough to get like us excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I thought this was one of those good twists. But yeah. I don't know if we share that opinion. No, no, I, I thought it was. I thought it was a good twist. I I just didn't feel like that was Godzilla. No, I, I don't. I don't know. Oh, I, I mean, I knew, I knew it wasn't going to be Godzilla. Um, just because 
he's in a cocoon. Right. The, just the, like the, the size of it. Just he's in this weird egg thing. Yeah. Unless they made him like an alien, like yeah. the Ninja Turtles reboot or whatever. <laughs> okay. You know. Uh, well, I, I mean, like to up, that. <laughs> up to the point where it's like this black crystal, like orange right, glowy. Right. I was like, wait, maybe it's not Godzilla. And then when yeah. it hatched and it wasn't, I was like, oh, we, all right. We should take this opportunity to discuss the Mutos. Um, or at least this one, which I think is the flying one. Yes. The yes. Away. The, 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 it's the smaller It's the male the one. Yeah, it's the yeah. male. It's the smaller of the two. and uh, The one that isn't ovulating. Some of the <laughs> some of the trailers and the way the earlier trailers were cut, some people thought it might be Rodan. It is not. It's this new monster. It's the Mutos. I, I have conflicting feelings about the Mutos because I think they, and, you know, they look, a lot of the monsters from the last few years just sort of, I've just been aping sort of the design of Clover from Cloverfield, mm-hmm. like Super 8, and now this. They all are sort of this, like, kind of sickly-looking flesh that's white and multiple kind of arachnid-type appendages yeah. with weird joints that are sort of huge, two huge arms and, like, kind of the weird skull face with the flaps kind of looks like the predator like the mouth there's like yeah. sections to the mouth this is every one of these monsters i mean they all look pretty much identical yeah and like you know it, I, it definitely but, seemed... but i also love the mutos yeah. in this movie and i think they're very well done mm-hmm. uh so yeah I'm very, i feel very conflicted well i think <laughs> it was a different approach than del toro in Pacific Rim, who specifically said, like, this is CGI, but I want it to look as if there was a man inside, you know, that theoretically, if we had done this movie in the 60s, there would be a man in a suit. And I think they accomplished that well. I think with this, it was, we want something that looks a little creepier and less like a man in a suit to take it away from what had been thus far, excluding Godzilla, who is the erect, you know, walking erect right. dinosaur. Um, I will say that every scene with the Mutos in it is vastly more interesting than anything where it's just the human characters. Yes. <laughs> Any scene with a monster was a great scene. And yeah. by monsters, I'm not referring to Aaron Taylor Johnson's performance. <laughs> I'm referring to the monsters. Oh yeah. Um, so it hatches. So it hatches, and Cranston is killed. Is killed. <laughs> he's crushed by a bridge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he just sort of yeah, and the way he just kind of yeah. you know the bridge is crushed, and he just sort of. And it's, just, it's terrifying. I mean, it's really like shocking, you mm-hmm. know. And 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 because you care about Brian Cranston, it's it right. really is uh, very effective. And and then you realize the true horror of the film. <laughs> You're yeah, stuck the, with Aaron Taylor Johnson. Just, just, just like, no, no. Wait, wait, crap. We just killed off the only likable yeah. character. The only likable character is dead. And so it's time for an exposition download. Yeah. Courtesy Dr. Sarazawa and Sally Hawkins. So yeah. they're like, oh, okay. Mr. Brody, come on in here. We need some information from your father. Uh, but, like, you know, we have to get it from you now. What? What is... Uh, and they, they basically tell him about this 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 being that they've known about in, since 1954 mm-hmm. that they uh, have been trying... They've been studying and they've been trying to understand, but at the same time, they've been trying to kill it. They think this may be it or this is... They thought this might be it, but now they know it's something else. Mm-hmm. Long and story, long story short, they've been talking about they're, they're talking about Godzilla, which they call Gojira. Yes, in this scene, um, and they say that they've been like 
dropping like the nuclear bomb tests weren't tests they were they were trying to kill mm -hmm. gojira and like which is probably the coolest line in the movie yeah and uh there was a lot of audience cheers <laughs> yes and uh, there were some people who left but yeah <laughs> that and and you know i've said it that's the clear-cut difference between this and godzilla 1998 is like you cannot kill this like the real godzilla yeah. <clears throat> you know to hell with logic the real godzilla is uh it can't be killed by conventional weapons of any kind and yeah. breathes fire for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> breathes know? fire because it's scary. Because it's scary and he, it's because he's fucking Godzilla, you yeah. know. Uh, and he basically goes on to say that Godzilla is an alpha male from a time when there was lots of radiation in the world. So basically predating the dinosaurs. Yeah. The creature success. So it's a different take on the background and like how it was awoken that Godzilla was always this way. He is not a mutant as right. it had been implied in previous. Yeah. Like he, we, we didn't create him. I yeah. believe he calls him the super predator or something. Yeah. Like or alpha lines. predator or something yeah. like that. Back at a time when this literally the, the entire surface of the planet was covered in radiation at all times. So it, which I think is kind of interesting and I hope they go into in the sequels. Mm -hmm. I do. Cause it's really sort of briefly, Discussed in this scene, and then the rest of the movie is just sort of, uh, I mean, you yeah. know, following around Aaron Taylor Johnson and and military debriefings by David Stratham, who's also in this movie, who's also an amazing yeah. actor. We didn't mention him earlier. Uh, totally wasted in this. Now, what we do get from Aaron Taylor Johnson is the fact that he brings up that the Muto was contacting something, and they thought it was Godzilla. But then, you know, it'd be like Godzilla would not be contacting that. So that means there's something else. Yes. And that that that's where the plot begins to thicken because this thing is heading towards Hawaii at the same time when they figure out that there's something might be in our nuclear deposit banks in Nevada. Yeah. So So now it's a three way race to the finish yeah basically yeah it's it the the rest of the film turns into sort of a countdown to to when these three forces will meet yeah um the, the finish line by the way uh just conveniently happens to be the exact point that aaron cranston's wife and kind of child are just standing huh. on uh we're gonna go with Aaron Taylor Johnson and not Aaron Cranston. Yeah, I'm, I'm messing up names. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, Nick. I, uh, no, no, but but uh, yes, I. Uh, it's it's yeah, it's very Aaron's it's very convenient that they live at the exact mating location, and that is what is revealed well, that they're going to do. This is pulp. So the fact that they wind up in the same place, that's that I don't mind. It's like the fact that we have to follow them painfully. Throughout this experience, so more shit happens. Let, let's let's hit up the highlights. The, yeah. the Hawaii Hawaii sequence is amazing. Yes, and I love I love almost everything about it. Mm -hmm. um, basically, Aaron Taylor Johnson comes back from Japan, and the the plane has to like there's a layover in Hawaii, um, in Honolulu, I mm -hmm. think, or. Some some part Somewhere, of yeah, some, yeah, some big place. He's on a train and he has to take care of a little Japanese boy because that that's what good yeah. people do. They get separated from the doors. Who they may not be like the elevator doors you may be used to. They'll close 
<laughs> that, was, that, that was a DC Metroism. Anyways, not that we live anywhere near no, DC. No, no, no. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. No, no, of course not. <laughs> this is Delaware. We're filming this, anyways. Right, right. Recording it, anyways. Um, so yes, uh, one of the I think the male Mutos makes land fall yes. in, um, and this was yeah one of the more effective scenes in the movie. Uh, Absolutely, like. Aaron Taylor Johnson and short round, stunt short round, are on this tram. <laughs> yeah. And you just sort of kind of look out the window and, uh-oh, the, there's, yeah. there's the male mutos, like, it's half like, a mile away, but, like, standing right on the train mm-hmm. track where you have to go, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that's a callback to, like, the classic Godzilla, or even to further back to King Kong. Like, yeah. a yeah. train yeah. in peril yeah. by a monster. Like, that's that's nice, you know? And it was shot... Well, it's just like engaging. I was terrified at what I was looking at. Yeah, no, know? it was it was shot wonderfully because you see, like, you see from the point of view of Aaron Taylor Johnson, like outside the window, you see this giant creature like on, over the tracks, like yeah. kind of like inspecting it, and you see the lights come on, and you see the train start to move, and you're like, oh shit, like yeah, you know, yeah. like this thing's going right for him. Yeah. So there's just that moment of like total panic, mm-hmm. and then I have to say I love the directing in this scene. Where it, did you guys notice like there's just a bunch of moments where like Godzilla is just right out in the open, like he's walking towards this uh, monster, mm-hmm. and but you you just see like glimpses of him in the shots, yeah. like yeah. like yeah. like you'll, like you'll see a helicopter, you'll see like Godzilla's spikes on his back, mm-hmm. but just very briefly as a helicopter goes up and they'll go away, like. Godzilla's in the scene a lot of the time, but you don't see him. Yeah. But it's not done horribly. Like, yeah. the directing's really good. And, yeah, and no, then, it's great. And then finally that scene where Godzilla, like, the music goes silent, Godzilla, like, steps right in front of that airport window. Yeah. And you just, like, get the massive size of this creature. And it's it's amazing. Like, mm-hmm. that, that was the first scene in the movie where I was like, whoa. Like, yeah. This is Godzilla. Camera. And he, he finally, you get to see his face. And as you said, the music cuts out and he gets the full on roar, roar, yeah. and it, the roar lasts for like fifteen seconds. I yeah, mean, it's it, like it, it's great. He is angry, uh, and then it cuts to the kid in mm. in San Francisco, and a lot of people hate that cut. I thought it was fucking yes, genius. That was good. Oh, a- absolutely. Um, <laughs> that, the kid watching the yeah, yeah. That yeah. Was like no, a, I, I that, that's a callback shot there too. Yeah, like just kind of the playing with the fact. It's just like yeah, look, this yeah, is a yeah, monster not, movie. Yeah, not yeah. yet. Yeah, not yet. Which I was <laughs> we, like, we gave you the tape. You, you no, got no, to see. You, you got to. <laughs> I like how they give you like the scale of yeah. the monsters. Yeah, like you, you get to see how big they are compared to normal human structures, right. and then we take it away. Yeah, yeah. And, and despite. Absolutely everything we've been saying about, you know, being stuck with Eric Taylor Johnson and not being the most exciting thing. The the idea of having the monsters almost start fighting and then cut away to some kid watching it on TV and, and then seeing glimpses of it on TV. And it looks like amazing. They're mm-hmm. like throwing each other through buildings and shit. And, but only you see it for like half a second or whatever. Yeah. That is hysterically it's, it's, funny. And I laughed my ass off in the theater. And there were people who were like, what the fuck? You know, and it was just like, this is great. I, I absolutely agree. I mean, Because it's I a hope, choice. You know? yeah. I hope on the DVD there is like that scene. Because it was clearly shot. Like it's a choreographed and shot scene. I mean, you can see them fighting in the background. They're, but... it's com- they're computers. It wasn't shot. What are you talking about? <laughs> it, it was designed. It the, the scene was designed. <laughs> I mean, I, there. I mean, no, no. I mean, obviously the, 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 it was designed, definitely. But 
I'm sure it was only ever designed to be on like, that maybe scale. in animatics, you know, yeah. But like, you see, like a wireframe. I think the problem was is that uh, unfortunately, with the rest of the film, we don't get to see that much wide shot daytime. Yeah, vo- footage. Of so fighting. okay, yeah. So, so this... there, there's some other stuff about the Mutos eating nuclear weapons. Yeah, and there's is... a female one in Nevada that you know destroys Las Vegas, and which has... is an amazing scene. I also love that. <laughs> and has too. budding ovaries that you can see dangling from her thorax, and uh... um, always an enjoyable sight. There's, yes. a, there's a great scene on a train, uh, which I thought was another example, a triumph of like mood and atmosphere. Not exactly logic or any sort of realism because no. Ford Brody does fall like three or four hundred feet yeah. into about seven inches of water and survives. Yeah. Uh, the rest of his battalion is wiped out. Well, he's um, hard-headed. So. Well, like his, his new battalion. That's the other thing. He keeps getting new battalions. He, he's sort of like hot potato in this movie. Yeah. Like he'll join like a group of guys who are going to this next section of the plot that's important. They all get killed except him. Yeah. Rinse and repeat. That happens about two times, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I thought that was kind of comical in the worst way. <laughs> like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I feel like he should have, as soon as his father died, been like, all right, I'm going to help out. Like, I, I'm going to stop these things now. Right. And Instead of just him group, like, they, trying to get home and right. kept on being like, remember, okay, he, well, he's trying to get home to his wife that does not care enough about her kid to actually go with her kid. She yeah, loves what? her patients. Why is she still in San Francisco? Like, Leave! The only excuse <laughs> is that she's taking care of her patients, but those patients should have been evacuated. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is, and, you know, the fact that it the, the first film was not about a woman relying about on a man, it was about a woman conflicted about her love and about, you know, the, the whole bunch of, you know, All this is a change yeah. in time. This is just, I will wait for you, dear... Right here at Ground Zero. Right, she looks drugged. Yeah, <laughs> for most of her. Right. I think she was because you can't. No, no. At no point would you say, "Yeah, I'll just wait here at Ground Zero while everything you know explodes." Oh, nuclear bomb? No problem. I'll wait for you, dear. As as Near Mike said, far. <laughs> <laughs> as Mike said in the beginning, like she she's a prop. It's yeah. it's like she is the reason to go to Ground Zero where all this is happening. Yeah. But I feel like it could have been done better. Yeah. Like, no but, strong female leads in this film, excluding uh, from the beginning, the mother. Yeah. I mean, it, after that, it's nothing. And it's like, we expect better. Like, this series has been built upon actually really great performances by females, excluding Megalon. Uh, <laughs> Where there were no, no women, women, in and that, women in, on the planet. Yeah. There was uh, some weird fucking yeah. purgatory deal going on there. <laughs> Uh, it was, it was, it was the not. It wasn't yeah. Japan. I'll tell you yes. that. <laughs> we don't know yet. Anyways, uh, but yeah, the the sequence on the train, very, very strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, Aaron Taylor Johnson joins up with a de facto group of well, not de facto. They are military specialists who are taking uh, nuclear warheads to San Francisco to try and fight the Mutos or something, or they're trying to like take the weapons away. Because the Mutos are eating them. Well, there's also, like, they cr- the Mutos create an EMP wave, you know, when they fart oh, yeah. or something. So. That was pretty cool. And <laughs> yeah. it helped to explain a lot of things. Although yeah. it was a selective EMP. Yeah. And uh, as, as you know, uh, my friend and roommate and uh, Terror of Mechagodzilla co-host Rebecca Rosen pointed out, 
um, EMPs, it's not like a temporary thing where it's just like, it's not like when you hit restart on your computer and it's shut down for like five seconds and then it turns back on in 15 minutes. No, it's like your fucking hard board or whatever mega board is fried. It's fried. Like you can't, and it's, and it's universal. Like you, something like this movie picks, which things are fried. Like everything's shut off, but the flashlights still work. It's like, no, 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 no. Anything that has any sort of electrical charge is done permanently at that point. So like, yeah, that was, I mean, that's a movie. But, but I mean, that, that's, that's just another classic kind of thing yeah. from the sci-fi right, monster right. movie yeah. genre. So we can go I can forgive him for that. Yeah. yeah. Because that's just like, that's just how that's this a is black. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, then they, uh, they're escorting this nuke that, that um, Aaron Taylor Johnson has retrofitted, I think, with the uh, clockwork, like, clockwork from like the pre, like in the fifties, I think, or yeah. something. Which, how does he know how to use that? Because he, <laughs> he's, he's just a grunt. Well, he, well he's a demolition he's expert. Yeah, he, he that, that, that's dynamite. like the ultimate form of demolition. That's yeah. like that's like extreme. something a Batman villain would know how to do. Like, yeah, but not this hints, guy. Hints at the future of yeah. Batman versus Superman. Uh, Possibly. Dawn of Justice. Yeah. Possibly. <laughs> we never know where the WB synergy ends or begins. Absolutely. Yeah. Didn't uh, WB team up with Legendary to do this movie? Yeah, yeah, this was WBV Legendary Dawn of Uh-oh. Competence. <laughs> uh, and again, all right. it would have been another great point for character development as to why he has this insight on clockwork explosives from the 50s. Yeah. Uh, they should have had him like, winding a clock at the beginning of the movie yeah. saying, like... An opportunity that was, that was sorely missed. Um... I love clocks. <laughs> just, that's I all love, I need. I love clockworks and Del Toro <laughs> movies. <It's> just... <laughs> the uh, but yeah, the Mutos destroy the the train when it's when it's over this bridge. Everyone gets slaughtered except for Aaron Taylor Johnson, which is a tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> then, then David Strathen comes by in his RV and, and picks them up again. And it's just like, all right, those guys all got killed. We've got one final band of military guys that you can randomly join for some reason. To get you close to uh, your your wife and kid, yeah. and um, well, the the bomb is stolen by the Mutos, who eat um, they eat they eat the bomb the bomb. Okay, which, so yeah. they're going so, to, they're going after the Mutos now to yeah. shut off the bomb. That's yeah. why because as we're told, it is and this becomes significant That's in right. the stupidest way later. Uh, which we'll, yeah, get, we'll into get into that with the fact that this is like three times or no, 20 times more powerful. Yeah, than the, the guy atomic now, bomb. you know, here's where the movie fails for me. Yeah. Like, this guy goes out of his way mm-hmm. to say that this thing is 10 times or whatever, yeah. multiple times more powerful than the bombs from Hiroshima. And they and show like where the fallout, where everything will hit. Yeah, like, and what they will show not computer graphs like everything in this yeah. bubble will be vaporized and it's multiple miles yeah. of stuff. Keep that in mind. Okay? Now, <laughs> they are told that the mission is to disarm the bomb and if they cannot, if they cannot disarm the bomb, they need to put it on a boat right, and tug it you know, as far I mean, away like, as they yeah, can. Yeah, as far as they can possibly go I into mean, the ocean to poison all of the fish. Now. <laughs> and create well, more monsters for yeah. you know, to fight. <laughs> now, while this is going on, Ken Watanabe has been, like, you know, trying to plead <laughs> by saying, look, this was a stupid fucking idea. I told you that Godzilla you that. will work this out. You know, that's his job. Somehow Ken Watanabe knows. Yeah. 
Sarazawa. Somehow yeah. Sarazawa knows what Godzilla is thinking. Yeah. What Godzilla Spoiler, will do. It turns out in the end that he's Godzilla's father. Yeah. yeah. That's 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 what happened. I totally not, but that would be quite the twist. Um so that's very confusing. Uh but he does say the at this around this time he says the best line of the movie, which is it, Sarazawa's like, let them fight. You know, which is directly out of like King Kong versus Godzilla is like, think of it, Kong versus Godzilla. If we're lucky, both will die. You know, <laughs> like, that was like, through all of this, you know, modern grit or yeah. character failure or whatever, <laughs> you, you have this sort of glimpse of just like the insanity of the old Godzilla movies for a second. It's like, let them fight. It's like, yeah, yeah. fucking let these giant monsters fight. And here comes another problem. Godzilla makes landfall at night. With a lot of dust, and you start to see. Well, there's the scene with the bridge. Yes, remember all that. And that's during the yeah. day. And 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 the military is attacking Godzilla, but Godzilla is kind of our friend, so it saves a school bus. Yeah, he blocks a missile with yeah. his one of his uh, spikes. Yeah, but the way it's played out, it's as if he just accidentally. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, it's it, a bit it, ambiguous as to whether like he senses that the children and Elizabeth Olsen, for reasons that are. I, that I can I honestly cannot figure out. Postpartum she, depression. She, she, she puts the kid, like, I, extreme. I I do not understand why this character makes this decision, but she puts the kid on a bus, and the bus is now trapped in the end sequence of Superman the movie, where it's trapped on yeah. uh, the uh, Golden Gate Bridge, um, and yeah, uh, Godzilla comes along. And, uh, you know, the military is like, shoots everything they have at it, including a, a barrage of, of missiles. Mm-hmm. And Godzilla is very near to this bus, and it looks like this thing's going to bullseye the bus, the, the missile, I mean. Mm-hmm. And Godzilla sort of stands up in the nick of time and, and saves it. So, yeah. ah, he's sort of the friend and protector of the children. <laughs> Which uh, is Gamera's role. Which is, well, that, which, that is is Gamera, not... which is also like Godzilla versus Hedora. Like, yeah. Era, or like... So we don't know if it's trying to be that, too. Things start moving very quickly now. Uh, I, Godzilla... I would actually like to say, uh, I saw something online and I thought it was very hilarious. Uh, someone pointed out that Godzilla saves more people and kills less people than Man of Steel in Man of Steel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. That's, that's definitely true. Man of Steel makes a better Godzilla film. As far as carnage and neglect and human error, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And likable characters. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I think I think yeah. Superman definitely kills more people than Godzilla in this movie. I think. Well, the the end tally is something around either one or two trillion dollars worth of damage to Metropolis and like a hundred and fifty thousand people dead. Yeah. Something like that. Now, I'd like to think that a lot of people, other than Elizabeth Olsen and the people in her hospital, have been evacuated by the time Godzilla and the two Mutos begin with their uh, settling difference of ideas through violence yes. in that area. And <laughs> so, yeah, I, I definitely think Man of Steel was uh, was way more violent yeah. and uh, more apocalyptic than Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> so, they start to fight, but the dust covers it up so we can't really watch the fight, you know, the fight we've been waiting for. This, you this know. yeah, this part really pissed me off because you had, okay, Sarazawa says, let them fight. You've been building to this. It's like an hour and ten minutes into the movie or maybe even more. I, I And it's, it's late into the movie. Yeah. And you're following Elizabeth Olsen. She goes into the shelter and 
Godzilla and the male Mutos, who can fly. The female Mutos has showed up, by the way, from destroying Las Vegas, and she's quite big. Uh, way bigger than the male. Which and, I thought was a cool oh, it was great. Uh, yeah. concept. And, and yeah. there is a little scene where they sort of meet up yeah. in San Francisco for the first time, and, and they he, kind of rub their nose to give each other an Eskimo kiss. Yeah. Uh, and, and he gives uh, her a bomb. Yeah, yeah. And like, <laughs> Look, honey. Uh, yeah, yeah. And that scene was fascinating and, yeah. and amazing. Like, yeah. and, and like, it was a very nice I, Valentine's I, Day. I, I, per- I perked. No, I perked up in this. I was like, oh my God, this is going to be incredible. Like, just follow them around for a while. And then it immediately cuts back to Aaron Taylor Johnson. And uh, anyway, so yeah, but Elizabeth Olsen's getting into this magical city, like bomb shelter subway thing that yeah. I guess they have that With, that uh, has like blast-proof doors. We'll, we'll get into that in a second. But then the doors close just as Godzilla and this thing start to fight, and it's during the daytime, and then cut, and it's like five hours later, and it's David yeah. Stratham and Sarah's out talking about things, and it's like, okay, I know I said that the the cut. From yeah. when they were in Hawaii, yeah, and you first see Godzilla, yeah, and I, th- I, I thought that was amazing. Yeah. One of my favorite parts of the movie. This second cut was probably my least favorite part of the movie because it's just like fuck you, let's see it already. Yeah, and it was like it was in the daytime, yeah, which yeah. we've never seen a modern monster battle in the daytime for more than just a, like a snippet at the beginning of Pacific Rim. Yeah, yeah. you know, so it's like I, that really pissed me off. I mean, I mean, you can only... Nathan and I were discussing this over lunch the other day. You can only build the suspense so much. And it's it's even really harder to build the suspense with Godzilla than it is with maybe another kind of monster movie. Because we all know Godzilla. Godzilla right. is such a cultural icon. You can't be like, well, wait wait for it, wait for it. You're going to like him when you see him. And yes, we know. It's Godzilla. Can we see him <laughs> punch somebody right. already? It's right. kind of like, uh, uh, like the ad campaign for the last Star Trek film. Where it's just like, oh, it's not really Khan. It's not really Khan. Okay, it is Khan, you know, and, 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 and then and then with this, it's just like, oh, is it Godzilla? Is it oh, here? Here's a bit. Here's a bit, and it's just like teasing you tantrically, kind of like in Final Wars. Yeah, but yeah. you know, where 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 the payoff to like suspense ratio uh, falls off the bandwagon. Absolutely, um, yeah. Like, but it, it Don was, Fry isn't in this movie. No. <laughs> yeah, they were just like filling this glass uh, with like suspense. It's like, all right, here we go, here we go, and he's still pouring when it's like overflowing. Like it's just, yeah. yeah. We, we've yeah. shown you the monsters. We've shown you bits of guy. You know, we, you've seen the scale of it. Here yeah. comes the fire. Like, no. like, like Jaws showed the shark eventually. That, yeah, and, and 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 a good amount too. And like, the shark, the shark ate some people. Too. Yeah, yeah. it was nice. I think that's the for me that's the critical mistake of of, of the movie is that that single decision if they had instead shown Godzilla and the male Mutos fighting for even like two or three minutes, I think this movie would be in my book a slam dunk home run. Everyone run out and see yeah. this because it is well filmed. Yeah, and the, the most of the directions and the way that Godzilla is filmed, the way the other monsters are filmed, are really smart. Mm-hmm. And refreshing, and when Godzilla does end up fighting uh, the Mutos, guess what? You can actually see what's happening yeah. because it's not Michael Bay directing yeah. it. Uh, he actually you know, yeah. sits back and, and frames it and stays on one shot for more than half of you know a millisecond or whatever. And coming up is like 
two of the most amazing sequences is first the Hercules jump, you right. know, we'll, we'll glaze over, which you is know, great. Yeah. yeah. It was well shot. And this is like, as, as I, as we have all mentioned before, what makes a good Godzilla movie is when the monsters and the people are just as interesting. So Aaron Taylor Johnson is put in at least an interesting position where we at least care about him because he's jumping, you know, he's going into this unknown yeah. fog. We, we care at least because this is a perilous situation where he and his comrades are put through. So that's interesting. Intriguing. And then when they make landfall, they have to go find the bomb. And that is the know. most intriguing setup ever for the yeah. end of a Godzilla movie. Like what he's doing is like had the potential yeah. to be amazing. And this is like and the, and the shot is beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And and the whole yeah, the whole Hercules job jump thing was great. Yeah. And the good like scripts by Mr. Honda, or at least the movies around uh his work, you know, have at least there, there's a plan similar to Kurosawa films. There's like a map esque sequence where it's like, this is the map. This is what you have to do. This is your mission. And then we follow the characters actually try and do that point by point. And then like, we are scared or thrilled when they either fail or succeed at a certain point. Like that's the brilliance of good screenwriting. Um, so You know, at this point, we are, like, really intrigued, because we are, like, going into the, you know, down the rabbit hole with them. Um, And then things kind of, they get off balance, and they try and rebound. So, they find the device, which is with the eggs, you know... And it's ticking away. And it's nighttime. Yeah, and it's nighttime. And, 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 and the, the, the EMP emitting mutos have blanketed the city in in a like, sort of a. I mean, it is an atmospheric choice, yeah. uh, and it's an interesting choice yeah. because to realistically render a modern city in total darkness is a fairly unique visual idea. Yes. Um, and I know it seems simple on the surface, but if you really think about it. You have these skyscrapers or whatever. If you don't have a single light source at mm-hmm. all, and it's the middle of the night, it looks sort of spooky. Yeah. There was actually um, a fact online that all the effects that they have in this movie, if you rendered it on a single computer, it would take 450 years to render it. Oh, my. Like they actually wow. did that statistic. It's crazy. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so they, they find the bomb. They kind of say, oh, well, this is fucked up. Let's put it on a tugboat. So yeah, yeah, they all like, the history. Yeah. They're like, you know, everyone in San Francisco's lives are at stake, and they're like, does anyone remember uh, like a crowbar? No, <laughs> Bill, I thought you were going to get a crowbar. No, <laughs> I just said I got the exacto knife. I Did got the, the bomb specialist for this job. Uh, we don't have a bomb. I, I can't help it. There, there's glass, and I don't want to <laughs> break my gun on the glass. Oh, 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 we weren't prepared for thick glass. <laughs> uh, <laughs> This operation is over. I mean, we yeah. have to just... Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. We didn't know there'd be thick glass involved <laughs> and stuff from the 50s. Yeah. We, this is a uh, no-can-do. This is jam. This is a real bad jam, guys. I, I have to say, though, I'd like to point out that when I saw the eggs, I was like... Oh God! There's going to be tiny Godzillas yeah. again. Yeah, but, but I because I think the problem with that is you build up the suspense of these giant creatures, and then you kind of kill it if you introduce like smaller enemies. Like right. I don't know. I feel like that kind of kills. Except well, that's if it's think. like amazing, like in Cloverfield, which I thought was better than no, the movie. Well, in, in in this, <laughs> he at least kills it. Like there are no little monsters, right. and that sets up the point where he is put in danger. The Mutos come after him. 
And then, well, can, can I say, and that is that is the only thing that Aaron Taylor Johnson successfully does in this movie. He, <laughs> he kills the Mutos eggs. Yeah, and 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 in doing so, the process of, of doing this. Uh, required zero percent of his bomb disarming knowledge. Yes. <laughs> it could have literally just been a trucker stumbling out of a trucker bomb. <laughs> hey, there's some gasoline there. I'll get a candle there to burn it in, and it'll burn all those big eggs because they look weird. There could be some weird things inside. I'm gonna blow it up. It could have just been that guy. Okay. It could have been someone named Goofus. Yeah. Okay. Who could have just come and done it? Our hero. <laughs> you know. And then, there's no bomb disarming. What the fuck is happening? So, uh, but in the meantime, so there's the, some weird thing going on with Godzilla and the monsters. They start to fight. Yes. Whoa. Yeah. But but the Godzilla payoff yeah, I is know, weird. Is when oh, the man. only bit of payoff is the boner erecting <laughs> scene where Aaron Taylor is about to be destroyed by Muto, and we're just like, "What's that stuff fucking glowing in the background?" And, and it's like, like, "Oh my oh god!" My god. Yeah. You know. So and so Godzilla's Spikes, you know, one, at, one by one, yeah, yeah. one by one to <laughs> glow, and then your brain like starts kicking, and you're like, wait, wait, holy, wait, is that is that what? Holy crap! Like, it's, it's just like <laughs> I've seen this the before. Whole, I, I yeah, know what happened yeah, next. Yeah, the whole theater was just erupted in applause. Yeah, and, and yeah. I was I was like sweating with happiness. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah, it was uh, amazing. It was this. It was this release because it was like that was one of the things. Certainly in the back of my head, that's like, are they going to do it or are they not going to do it? And what's it going to look like? Yeah, uh, is the atomic breath, which has been a key element in Godzilla films, which you know we have never seen in any American version of a Godzilla movie to to date, mm-hmm. uh, except for you know for this one, atomic breath, the fire atomic breath? breath. No, that's fire breath lame. <laughs> atomic breath, you know, and uh, so yeah, it was fucking amazing. And, uh, yeah, you got them. Yeah. Got them real good. And then they start actually (laughs) fighting. Yeah. You know, and there's, you know, one or two brief wide shots where we actually see them in, like, you know, a la traditional Godzilla, like, actually fighting in a wide shot. You know, those wide shots are very brief, unfortunately, but there's at least, you know, a hint of, like, yes, let them fight. Let, this is what we paid for. We paid to see Godzilla punch out some motherfuckers. And it's pretty glorious. There's a scene where, I think, the female Mutos, because they're double-teaming him, and she, like, throws Godzilla through not one, not two, but three buildings. Mm -hmm. All in the same shot. I think the double-teaming thing was, like, a porn version. I think that's... That's that's the DPing. Oh! Oh, oh, well, that's oh, okay. uh, that's right. uh, Coxilla. Oh, that's, gotcha. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I always get those mixed up. Yes, I, I do too, especially on my hard drives. Yeah, uh, movie, movie night was terrible. <laughs> 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 but um, I have to say, um, the one thing I liked about this was oh wait, actually, actually, I think I'm getting ahead of myself. I jumped ahead of scene, so let's. Let's so, just ignore yeah. what I'm saying. So, so Aaron, Taylor, Aaron, Taylor, Aaron Taylor Johnson's, like, half of his buddies, or like one or two of them got killed in the actual drop. And then the other ones have taken the bomb and put it on a boat. But Presumably then, the same boat from Jaws. But <laughs> then they all get killed. Yeah. Like, like the Mutos, like, stomps on them yeah. and wipes all of them out. So Aaron Taylor Johnson gets on the boat and he still can't disarm the bomb. 
the Muto, the female Muto, which I think is the only one alive at this point, you know, comes yeah. Oh, uh, Godzilla and, impales the male, smaller yeah. uh, Muto on a, like a load-bearing steel grinder or yeah. whatever girder, whatever big on, girder, big girder, a B- spike yeah. <laughs> uh, on a building, and it's very awesome. And then a building immediately falls over. On yeah, I <laughs> uh, think a. You know, making the audience think he's 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 dead now yeah. or something. It's a huge building. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck that building was, but it must be pretty big because it dwarfs Godzilla. Yeah. Um, so the female Muto basically like kills everyone around Aaron Taylor Johnson. Aaron Taylor Johnson's on the tugboat, slowly tugging away with this, you know, however kiloton bomb is is the on wor- the boat. this world-ending bomb. Yeah. That, that we've been hearing so much about. That, that is he, the, the he centerpiece. Can't, he can't disarm of this last thick glass. The Saving Private Ryan sequence comes up yeah. where Aaron Taylor Johnson points his pistol at us, just like, you know, fuck you, I hate you, I yeah. hate your ugly face. And Ryan, he like, pulls the trigger, the Muto stops, and <gasps> Godzilla has bitten the Muto in the fucking neck. Yeah. And then, well... <laughs> I, I just don't have words to describe my happiness for the scene. Like, it was... Phenomenal. Uh, do, you, do you want to do the honors? Yeah, uh, Mike, 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 go ahead. I think this is well, God, I think right up your alley. Well, Godzilla um, gives the Mutos mouth-to-mouth <laughs> decapitation <laughs> <laughs> no. via atomic breath. It's, well, I, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's something I've it's always so wanted to see in a Godzilla movie. Yeah. I've always wanted to see Godzilla just bite into something <laughs> and blow it up. But, yeah. but I think I think it was cool because I was expecting him to... At first, I was a little disappointed because I thought Godzilla was going to break the jaw of the, uh, the Muto. And I was like, oh, I've seen this in King Kong before. Yeah. Yeah. And then suddenly, like, you see the, his, like, atomic breath coming. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, and then, I did not see that coming. Yeah, and then, boom, like, I, I already wasted my holy crap uh, <laughs> expression for the last scene. But it was... Like, it was genuinely just... It was uh, the most memorable movie scene I've seen in a while in theaters. I mean, it ups the ante as far as monster battle finishing moves for the sequels to an absurd degree. Because, like, what can they do now that's more cold-blooded than this shit? So now... And he he does remove his head. Yeah. It blows out his throat, rips off his spine. And there's blood. And and Godzilla just sort of daintily just... Tosses his head like it's nothing, and then the body falls over. And then Godzilla collapses. Yeah. Now, here's where the big, big, like, headache, like, what, really? Yeah, this is the other, this is the other, like, unforgivable moment. Yeah. Uh, So. That's sort of. Plot-wise, to refresh, Aaron Taylor Johnson (laughs) is a bomb specialist thingy made up because it, it conveniences uh, pulp plot points. We're fine with that. But the problem is there is no delivery because his skills are useless. The thick glass that could have been like knocked over by the Muto or something like that, you know, so he could conveniently disarm it does not happen. So he is picked up by a helicopter and we see in the background that this, you know, doomsday device explodes. Well, he, he passes out. Yeah. Passes out. So he's just like, you know, if if ever there was a time for a hero to to rally, 
yeah. to like give every ounce of his strength and fight back through this. Like he just seems exhausted, or like he's like he's had his ass kicked. I mean, he did survive like a megaton explosion when he when he blew up those eggs, and it was definitely your standard action hero moment of you know, cool guys don't look at explosions, jumping out of the fireball type thing. And he's had a rough uh, forty eight hours, sure, but like fuck face. Your your fam your your wife. Let me restate that. Elizabeth Olsen, your wife, <laughs> is going to die. Plus your kid, and like all of San Francisco, like tough it out. You know, yeah. uh, fucking disarm the bomb. Don't like yeah. don't go to sleep. The, the, the monsters had their moment. Okay, right. finally do something cool. Yeah. Right, right. Please. This, this is, is the character's moment. You yeah. know. Walk it off, asshole. You know, need you're you're about to be vaporized. By the way, idiot, if you pass out, you're going to die too. Yeah. So this whole thing was for nothing. Here's your so, culminating character moment. Get revenge for your father and your mother's death. Right. Save San Francisco. Save San Francisco. Cool. Get a medal for the president. Nope. So he's picked up by his sleeping, you know, concussioned ass is like picked up by a helicopter. We see in the background this explosion, which, you know, which somehow does not hurt the helicopter or them in any shape or form and clearly does not affect the San Francisco Bay Area at all. Oh, I just I want to bring up something about the helicopter itself. Yeah, where did this so many people have died? Why did they send a helicopter for one idiot? Well, where did this helicopter come from? So also a good point. Yeah, uh, why is it here? Like, why did, did they send it to pick him up after he disarmed the bomb? Maybe what, did they it, know that boat would I, be there specifically? I think a more heroic helicopter pilot would have said fuck Aaron Taylor Johnson and put the nuke on it and flown it out because helicopters can travel fast yeah. so they could get like 30 or 40 miles away from San Francisco before it blew up you know, you know? and like then the helicopter pilot would be dead but at it least, would be like at the least, end of Independence Day. at least yeah. the internal logic that the movie has gone out of its way to establish not 35 minutes before would still be coherent and sustained alright yeah instead as you said, this helicopter comes, picks up uh, the lazy Aaron Taylor Johnson, who is ha- currently having a nap uh, during during this film's climax. Uh, he's taking it easy, you know. The bomb goes off two miles away from Elizabeth Olsen. It's 30 times more powerful than the bomb that wiped out Hiroshima. Everyone's fine. Nothing happens. There's no stakes. What is happening? What? Yeah. It, it's How could this, this point, be the end of this movie? It, if it, it might as well just exploded in the middle of the city. It right. wouldn't have affected anything. Knocked down like half a building. Yeah. Fine. Did so, they did they get the wrong bomb? Yeah. Was the guy in the military center? Was he? <laughs> did he make a mistake? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. You <laughs> wanted the nuke? Oh, was he the I get you. The firecracker. Yeah. <laughs> was he just making that shit up to save his own job? So you see what was happening. Tension. Because that bomb was a powerful. Like, yeah. Either that or like the, somehow the, this bomb shelter that Elizabeth Olsen is hiding in is like super powerful or something. But it looks like it's just a subway station. Yeah. What is happening? It just... It doesn't... Why didn't he disarm the bomb? He's a bomb expert. Yeah. Tension, release. Payoff, relief. Check off. If there is a gun in the first (laughs) act, it must go off in the third act. Unless you are, like, David Lynch or, you know, John Waters. You have no excuse to, like, have that kind of, 
you know, tension release, you know, boner kill. So the helicopter takes Aaron Taylor Johnson back to San Francisco, and they meet up um, they have their, at, at the football stadium, and they have their happy moment. Where they're somehow all reunited, even though all communications and all really all roads and transportation systems have been dismantled. Yeah, why did they point. bring the kid back? That kid needs yeah. to be sent to child services, given years of therapy. So they're all and, fine, and I guess they they got a new uh, screen. On the the mega screen at the, uh, <laughs> at the stadium, like which apparently changed. didn't get EMP. Yeah, either. that was the, <laughs> EMP free. Yeah, the EM at the uh, where it's, the it's a clockwork screen. <laughs> the Forty Niners have an excellent multimedia package that is also EMP proof, and uh, it's you know it says Godzilla, King of the Monsters? Question mark. Which. I'm okay with that. That's fine. But the people, <laughs> people are sort of cheering because Godzilla, Sarazawa is like next to Godzilla and he's like petting him. He's like, I'm sorry, my friend, and all this stuff. And he's just sort of amazed that Godzilla actually exists and he has a chance to finally see this thing he's been studying his whole life. And Sally Hawkins is there too. And she's like, Why don't I have any lines in this movie? <laughs> and uh, she, she, she actually well, said that, she, by the way. Was, <laughs> that was her only She line. seems to be there because I guess Hollywood studios have this thing, especially in the Gandhi film, where it's like, We can't have a person of color, you know, not be next to a white person, or else we will somehow feel very uncomfortable yeah. if it was just Wantanabe, you know. So she basically plays his white shadow. Uh, you know, to, yeah. to ease us through the fact that there is not a comfortable. Man. I'm surprised <laughs> she wasn't in flat in letters from Iwo Jima just there. Um, be like, why is she here? Well, so, audiences would be very uncomfortable if I was just here speaking Japanese without a person. I, I, I don't want to get caught up too much in it, but um, just because we were talking about how stupid the bomb was, uh, I, I did not know offhand how big the blast in Hiroshima was, so I went and looked it up while yeah. we were talking just there. Um, so the radius of total destruction was about a mile with massive destruction, fires, and pretty much everyone dying in a four-mile radius. Twenty, ten to twenty times bigger than that. Yeah. Yeah. That's... I think they, like, for that day, they got George Lucas in there, and yeah. he forgot what he had written in his own script. <laughs> like, 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 it's like scenarios. poetry. They, they rhyme. Yeah, it's yeah. like, it's really, it's like poetry. It's We're, just, the, the framing is just so dense, and there's just so much going on that the audience will forget. Uh, <laughs> they'll forget math. They'll forget things you've said to them. And this also is kind of fucked up, because they play with our emotions with Watanabe's character who says, you know, this is my watch. This belonged to my father. And he says, this is, you know, it froze. And this actually happened to a real watch. They have it on display in a museum somewhere, you know, of when it stopped exactly when the bomb exploded. I, I've you seen know? that watch. It's at the Peace Museum in oh. Hiroshima. So, so you see, so that, that is like calling back to something real yeah. and something that is scary you know that could that did actually happen. So that happens. They play with that, and then they have the bomb explode. That would be like if in the original Godzilla, Doctor Sarazawa not only kills Godzilla with the oxygen destroyer, he says, "Hey, you know these things aren't that bad. I'm actually just gonna, you know, e Emiko, you and you know what's his, you and uh, Takarada can just you know fuck as much as you want. I'm gonna just." run the oxygen destroyer industry. I'm going to, like, sell these to, you know, 
you know, Che Guevara and, you know. Look, okay, so I guess we should say the end of it. Godzilla gets up. He looks like he's uh, drunk or, or hungover. Yeah. Uh, he's just sort of like, oh, I can't believe I ate the whole thing. <laughs> and just sort of uh, waddles back into the ocean and swims away. You know, okay, uh, early on, or in the last month or so, there have been some reports from Japan that somehow they've, like, maybe I guess they've seen pictures of him, and they said that he was too fat and... At, at first, I was like, "Have you seen pictures of Godzilla from almost any Godzilla movie?" He's very body positive, yes, but he's thunder thighs nonetheless. But after seeing him in motion in this movie, and really how his legs tie in with his gut and how he sort of moves, uh, he yeah, I can see what they're talking about. He does seem very um, bogged down uh, by, by his. There's a lot of girthiness there. It's, it takes a lot of power to, to, to get him to get him moving. So yeah. I, I can I can sort of see where some of that criticism comes from. Now, I think that may be due to the fact that this is the first, and I, I don't even know how to say this, but realistically rendered version of Godzilla, who is a character who's, you know essence is so ludicrous yeah. ludicrously impossible that it, it's never really been done before yeah. so it's well, like he, previous it, like, ideas uh, of dinosaurs especially the tyrannosaurus is that they walked upright using their tail as balance we now know that and this is why they tried this in 98 is that tyrannosaurus their tail balances differently it's erect and outright that's how they walk so that's why godzilla 98 looks like a shittier version of the Tyrannosaurus in Jurassic Park. What, I mean, what they've done is they've taken stuff like, okay, like the owly font from, like, Return of the King. Yeah. Where, like, it moves, and when it puts its foot down, you see, like, the muscles and stuff yeah. shaking, and it's, like, amazing. They've taken that same software and just applied it to, like, the Godzilla design, mm-hmm. like that man-in-suit design. And what could never happen before, because it was a man in a suit, <laughs> is that Godzilla would take a step... But his gut would not shake <laughs> mm-hmm. because it was static, because it was sculpted. You know, it was it was it was one piece. But when, this is completely computer generated. So now every piece of him is moving in what we can devise is only the most realistic way that that they can represent. And so as a result, he looks fat now. Hmm. Uh, but he always was fat. But it's just the way he was shown was different. The way he was represented was different. It was a man in a suit, so it didn't register visually, if that makes any sense. I, I mean, I kind of, I like that he has a weight to him. It makes him really feel like an intimidating giant monster. Yeah. You can, and that, that's, again, one of my big disappointments with this movie, is we, we finally have the CGI technology to really bring life to every aspect of this character, and we really just don't get to see a lot of what Godzilla could do. Yeah. He, he goes back into the ocean, and Sarazawa uh, cries, um, you know, tears of joy. And who cares about Aaron Tyler Johnson and his family? <laughs> yeah. so useless anyways. And uh, roll credits. And there's, there's, no, uh, there's no post-credits stinger with uh, Samuel L. Jackson being like, Godzilla, <laughs> we need to get you the Avengers Initiative. Um, get me Mothra on the phone. <laughs> we have Varan. <laughs> but he wasn't doing anything. <laughs> Varan was not doing anything. <laughs> But uh, we need a more important monster. Um, 
so yeah, that's it, Godzilla 2014. So yeah, you can't make Jaws without interesting characters. Yeah, that is. That and is Godzilla is review. not Jaws. Godzilla is not Jaws. It's a. It's Godzilla. I am. <laughs> I am potentially excited for the sequel. The reason is, is like Godzilla 2000. I had issues with, but looking back, it was a really good movie, and it kind of set the Millennium series along the right path. They kind of had to beat off, or sorry, <laughs> <laughs> wrong, wrong word. They kind of had to. They, they kind we, of we stumbled. Really needed the budget, guys. Yeah. <laughs> we <had to> do <laughs> this. They stumbled around um, for a couple movies, but then we get Godzilla against Mechagodzilla, which totally summed up like what we had been waiting for for a lo- since like nineteen. 19- Eighty-four, you know, waiting for like just a good Godzilla film with good characters and some good fights. Yeah. So I think you know it's good that it's starting out. I love the fact that Pacific Rim is also getting a sequel. Maybe I've heard that since they are both controlled by Lionsgate, there might even be a crossover. I am totally okay with I've, that. I heard Del Toro actually really wants to do it. So yeah. So that would be that would be amazing. I, you know, I'm not in any way interested in a crossover between Godzilla and Pacific Rim. I think those two universes are... I think the universe that, that Del Toro created in Pacific Rim is is complete in its own, and why would they have not mentioned Godzilla's first appearance when obviously but, it was that well, other thing? From, from what I've heard, Although it was be, on the same bridge. It, yes. it, it would be something along the lines of another, another dimensional rift opens, yeah. and it opens to... You know the universe Godzilla is. Uh, okay. Uh, how well, about how about for my erotic adventure Pacific Rim job? There we go. Oh the, my god. Pack Rim. I, uh, I, I really hope a rift doesn't open that. Year. Uh, <laughs> I, I, look, look, I want to say okay. If you're listening to this and if you're a Godzilla fan, you've probably already seen it or you just had the entire plot spoiled. But like, is I don't want this review. I don't want this to review to be a condemnation of the film. Because I think there are several victories in this movie. I think that it gets a lot of stuff right, and I think his heart is in the right place. Yes, and, and a movie like this is way more interesting than uh, Transformers: Birth of a Nation or whatever. Yeah, you know the, the second one yeah. was. Yeah. Uh, the the directing was phenomenal. The uh, the visual effects were like there was no visual effect where I was like that's that's kind of. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it was all great. The the film was beautiful, um, and everything involving the monsters was pretty much for my. I mean, ten out of yeah, ten. There, the there, there wasn't a minor complaint with like the only minor complaint I have with Godzilla is that he is you know in his when when their uh, series I was introducing him he's like you know he's the alpha predator he's from a time when. And we never really see him be a predator. If he had just been like, you know, he's the guardian or something. Because we see him kind yeah. of be a guardian. Yeah. We don't see him really try and eat the Mutos. He, <laughs> he blows them up yeah, and he, yeah. he beats them up and he impales them. But then he just kind of walks away. Yeah, yeah. He um, survives on awesomeness. But every, everything about the monsters is just so well done. The cinematography yeah. is great. Um, and it is weird that it's like... it's He's... It, this is like seventies era Godzilla. Yeah, this is like the friend and protector of humanity. But yeah. it's it's in this package of all this grim, you know, Oppenheimer quotes. But then no, this is like one step removed from in Zone Fighter when he came out of the fucking Godzilla cave, you know, yeah. to, to help fight. You know, this is yeah. like this is like two more years down the line. He's gonna have the cave set up. You know, like hey, could this potentially lead up to a Jet Jaguar featured sequel? Uh, I hope so, where Sarazawa <laughs> builds Jet Jaguar. Yeah. It's like, 
Jaguar, let you fight with Godzilla now. Well, I, I mean, I, I think one of the problems in the direction is that they're trying to draw so many parallels to the original the original movie. Um, I mean, again, I mentioned it. Which is impossible, by the way, because... <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> can I just flatly yeah. state yeah, that Godzilla... <laughs> Gojira is a response to the the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki from America. So why is America even making a Godzilla? But, but that's movie? that's what I really like was that, going that, to. That, that's yeah. the final paradox that's always going to like fuck this but, up. Because you know Godzilla has evolved over the years and really become more of a friend and a protector of Japan right. in you know the same way America in a lot of ways has. So you can't really make a Godzilla movie in current day and age where Godzilla is this massive force destroying Japan. Right. So, but I mean, they're still trying to parallel other things, like the the only monsters. Because in the original film, Serizawa self admits that he has to become a monster. He hates himself. He has to, you know, use the oxygen destroyer to kill Godzilla, or at least try to. And in this film, you know, we get these Godzilla is the only thing that can kill the Mutos because he's a monster, but he's also kind of friendly and. They're just yeah. they're trying to throw back to too many periods of Godzilla. And, and this kind of is like, it, it's like a mixing between Western, as you mentioned the other day, it's Western hero's journey. You've got our very flat Aaron Taylor Johnson, who is a, uh, a hero of a thousand faces. Well, okay, a, a hero of no face. Uh, and then you have uh, this more Japanese-esque storyline where nature will write wrong. Like, yeah, as we saw in Tokyo SOS, you know, everything we make, everything man makes, Oxygen Destroyer, Mechagodzilla, whatever, that will destroy us in the end. So it's better to let nature take its course, because whatever we create will fire back at us. And Aaron Taylor Johnson really just feels like something that was tacked on to this movie, so we would have a reason to follow these people around the yeah. different locations and follow the Mutos and then follow Godzilla and then oh, be there at the climax. He's a charisma black hole in this movie. I mean, it's... Third planet to the black hole. Like, I, there were times when he was on screen where I was li- literally just watching the surface of the movie screen. Like, just, like... Like I was watching Magic Eye or something. And it's just, like, <laughs> unfocusing my eyes. Like, oh, there's two Aaron Taylor Johnson's now, I guess. I don't fucking care. Man, this IMAX <laughs> screen just looks really nice. Yeah, it's just like, what? Oh, the illusion is destroyed. You unfocus your eyes due to boredom. Um, the I wanted to say that, like, one of the things I tried to... It's so weird. There's 60 years of Godzilla movies. There's 28 of them. And so he has been the the destroyer of worlds, and he has been our trusted friend and protector. And and there is a there is a a weird thing going on in this movie where it's like maybe he was never any of those things. Maybe this is just showing what actually happened, and then he was just reinterpreted and it was splintered in all these different takes on the character. But this was the character the whole time, hmm. uh, and maybe. You know, it's because he he does look. He causes a fucking tsunami in Hawaii that slaughters thousands of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, so he still kills a lot of people in this movie because he's so big. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's just like he can't even see humans. Like, they, it's not even like yeah. a thing. I mean, he, he clearly, at least. Almost intentionally blocks missiles going yeah, through that bus. That's yeah. the other thing. But, but, so there's like that's part. part but, but I mean, the tsunami's completely. He just he's massive. He can't help right. that he's going to make a huge wave when he comes out of the water. Right. So it's like, how do you reconcile that yeah. <laughs> into a single character? 
Is he well, intelligent? Does he have morality? Well, I think that's know. why the sequels happen, and like what what will probably we may or may not find out depending on how good the writing is for the next film, but how it plays out with this new take on the character of Godzilla. In the first one, it was pretty straightforward with a complex plot with complex characters, but Godzilla was a beast who was on a rampage, you know. Uh, and much like the atomic bomb, just you know, does not care what it destroys, what is in its path. So with this, Godzilla seems to have enough of a conscience to where its character can have a little depth to it. Uh, definitely more than Aaron Taylor Johnson. Uh. <laughs> I, I have to say, um, I love Gareth Edwards. I think he was the perfect director for this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I am kind of happy that he's not going to be on the sequel. I'm pretty sure he's not going to be on the sequel because he's doing the Star Wars spinoff. Right. And they come out at, like, the same time. So I am happy that he's not doing it because he said that if he did it, he would want to do it the same exact way that this movie was where you don't see a lot of Godzilla. And I think that's a terrible decision for a sequel. It just doesn't work because the suspense uh, has already been yeah, broken. You've yeah, like shown Godzilla. Yeah, and we've already established, like, who Godzilla is and like I think there needs to be more seeing Godzilla like seeing the action of like what he can do uh cause that's just what sequels should do like even even Jaws 2 me and Mike were talking about it on yeah. the way over here like there's more Jaws like yeah. like we, we've established the shark is scary as hell like let's right. let's uh let's utilize that mm-hmm. instead of trying to build suspense again mm-hmm. uh we don't need that in a sequel that's what the first movie's for yeah, I've I've heard Gareth Edwards at least in even before this movie came out, like last year, he was even talking about doing if he had to do a sequel, he was gonna he was throwing around the the title "Destroy All Monsters," which I think is would be a mistake to just jump the gun and just go right to Monster Island and have fucking Spiga and, yeah. and Minya and Varan and all that shit or whatever the new. Uh, reinterpretation, relaunched $160 million versions of those monsters would be. Because I think they do have an opportunity here to build on this movie. And this movie, uh, you know, I can't say was a complete was a complete failure and there were several very enjoyable original sequences and it it made a fuck ton of money. Uh, So they are going forward. (laughs) It is Hollywood. Mm -hmm. So I think they could build from here and they could build out like have, like, maybe not out and out, like, maybe do a remake of Mothra or Rodan, but, like, have standalone other monster films and sort of build this universe and kind of always have Godzilla in the, you know, refer to him, but maybe not necessarily even have him in another film, and then, like, Similar to build how, it up. Yeah. Build, build it for, like, Ten years, similar to how the original monsters. Toho version has, or exactly. with modern equivalent, the Marvel films. Yeah, 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 just, just do the Marvel yeah, films. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. we talked about that too on this, uh, the Metro, not in DC, by the no. way. Um, <laughs> we one in France. To, <laughs> we talked about that, and I'm the only thing I'm worried about is, uh, you know, Warner Brothers is trying to copy Marvel right now with the whole DC thing. They're doing yeah, a horrible yeah. job. Yeah. They're well, like, although shoot. the title of of the new Batman and Superman movie Mike, is actually it, they it, just released it. And it's actually awful. It, it, yeah. it, it, <laughs> no, okay, so okay. Bad. I was gonna say, don't, don't even joke and say that that's a good title. Uh, yeah, Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. What the fuck well, are you like, thinking about? Batman v, v. Superman. It, like it's I. And that's what I'm concerned about. Like, I hope they don't do that with Godzilla, because it sounds like if the second movie would be, uh, like, on Monster Island, like, that just, that 
seems I, I'm like... actually excited for Dawn of Justice because I hope the title is just referring to they'll have more things in the daytime instead of at night and cloud <laughs> coverage. Yeah, I just... I don't know. Like It, it could go either way. Um, but, I mean, I'm obviously excited for a sequel because this movie was not terrible. I feel like we rag on this movie a lot. But Godzilla well, we, it, we have to be honest. Like, right, that's right. the job of this. We have to be honest about our opinion. You know, if we just say, oh, it was good because it's part of the series, that's some, like, French auteur crap. No, right. That is a, like... A movie has to succeed on its own terms. Yes. There can't, there can't be qualifiers in there where it's like, oh, well, because we love Godzilla, we love this movie. Yeah. Yeah. No. no. The movie has to be good and that's that the reason we've ragged spent so much time on this pod this episode ragging on it really is because it's a two-hour movie it's it's over two hours long and a good probably hour of it is just characters we really don't care about being boring and they're within a series we do care about right you know although they have been to to, to be fair in the high size series there was a lot of boring character interaction yes (laughs) it's not like that's that's a new thing for godzilla movies no absolutely long portions be uh, boring beyond uh belief so what we want (laughs) is at least to say not that anything we say will truly influence Hollywood or anything else, but just to express, you know, what makes a movie good. And this could be any movie, but we have, Mike and I have decided uh, to drag everyone down (laughs) to the depths and despair of Godzilla films, which uh, kept us very, very lonely during our teens. (laughs) No, but I mean... Oh, during our teens? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, but I mean, like, I myself have not like grown up with Godzilla like that's just mm-hmm. not something that I've you know I know very well mm-hmm. so I'm viewing this movie solely as like a person who loves movies mm-hmm. uh, that I did think it was good it mm-hmm. was not great it was not fantastic and it didn't blow me away uh, well okay some scenes blew me away but uh, <laughs> it was just overall it was a good package but it wasn't um, a great movie it could have been bigger uh, yeah it, it could have been much better a bigger package than- yeah okay. yes uh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> Let's, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll say good but not great with a couple of moments of of transcendence. Uh, yes. Uh, not not, not to be confused with the actual yeah. movie transcendence, which was awful. <laughs> um, I'd say good, uh, great if you ignore everything and just fast forward to scenes with monsters. I can't wait for the YouTube monster battle montages. Yeah, those will be great. <laughs> the YouTube cut, um, a plus. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Godzilla abridged <laughs> everything. I wonder if they'll t- actually have the whole movie and take out Aaron Taylor Johnson and just see like how well the cut works with just Watanabe and <laughs> Chris. <laughs> you boffed it, Johnson. Okay, so that's that. Um, you know, so we are going to continue doing the show. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if that was a little bit of a mystery, if there's any tension there, but... We're going to do other films in the Toho sci-fi canon, specifically stuff from the 50s and 60s and a little bit from the 70s. Uh, Anything that's sort of in the expanded universe, as it were, of Godzilla, anyone that Godzilla has interacted with Mm -hmm. uh, in one of his films, if they perchance had an offshoot movie or whatever, anything that's directed by Shiro Honda with uh, Fukube and, uh, you know, uh, Superai involved... We're going to touch on that as well. Um, so there's there's a few more things to take care of, but th- this is one of the last movies with the real Godzilla in it yeah. that we'll be talking about. Uh, <laughs> maybe there's another movie that we'll get to eventually. Yeah. 
you'll have to come with me or come with us on that journey in order to find out, though, if we're going to talk about that. Um, but, yeah, that's it, I think, for today, unless anyone else can, can think of anything. Uh, I think we have said what needs to be said. Absolutely. Um, I agree. Yeah. So just uh, remember, folks, we are on Facebook. Uh, give us a like uh, because likes improve our self-esteem. Yeah. Give us a comment. Especially uh, me. Yes. I'm, I'm very <laughs> I'm very sad. We're, we're very uh, fragile human beings, uh, and we love the feeling of celebrityism. Uh, so, yes, give us a like. Uh, we're also on Twitter. What's your Twitter again, Mike? It's just the Mike Kelly at Godzilla Pod War. Uh, and then we have um, the, uh, what is it, <laughs> Tumblr account Tumblr as well. Account. And that has been updated uh, tw- twice, I think. Yes, twice. Um, I, I got an email saying we've got ten posts or something like that. We excellent. achieved, you know. We've, some, we've done it. We, we achieved uh, medium <laughs> maximum What am I doing on this podcast? Yeah. They've made it already. <laughs> yeah. I want to thank Nick Gussie. Uh, always a pleasure, sir. Um, I want to thank Jordan Hooser. It was my pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks thanks for having me. Um, thank you for having me, Mike. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, I that see was normal, was and now it's weird. <laughs> that, was, that was my intention. <laughs> and uh, Nate, thank you as well for watching all these Godzilla movies. Well, thank you, Mike, for, uh, I think, I think this is a good thing we started, you know, and it's not it's not coming to an end, but, you know, as far as the Godzilla films are, this is, you know, a great journey. We've eaten a lot of food together, yeah. uh, you know, smelled each other's gases, yeah. and, you know, so I think this has created a bond uh-huh. that only, I guess, uh, only uh, Aaron Taylor... Johnson acting performance could rip us apart. <laughs> oh man! To be I, fair, I didn't even see Kick Ass Two. I just didn't, couldn't do Kick Ass Two. It's stupid. Yeah.